Proverbs or Psalm says this, Lord, teach me to number my days so a heart of wisdom can be produced in me. Wake me up to the reality that exists that I can partake of so I don't waste my life, in other words. That I could live my whole life and get to the end. This is my greatest thing I've said to God. I said, I'm not playing games and I'm going to, everything that you show me and ask me to do, I want to do it because I don't want to get to the end of my life and regret anything. I don't want to have to regret any decision where you asked me to step out and let go and I didn't because I was scared. Because fear grabbed a hold of me or the cost was too big. I saw my dad transition. I saw him realise that he was about to die. You know when you're going to get to that place where you're about to die and everything's going to come down? Boom! I'm about to transition. It ain't going to matter. It's going to, oh my goodness, I should have done that and I should have done this and I should have done that and I should have done this. I should have stepped out. But I was held back because of fear or insecurity, all this stuff. I don't want to get to that place and have any regrets. Oh, and that day I'm about to transition and I know I'm going. I want to go, I lived this life by faith in Him and I entered into everything that He had for me. Anyone else? Good on you. That day is going to come for every one of us. And I pray that you will not have any regret. Because there is on offer in Him a world, a reality that is so profound it will astound you and me with His goodness and His greatness. And it's possible today. He writes about it in His book. And so when I read, I'm getting challenged. What I read, is it my reality? Because I read about people and it was their reality. Hence it got in the book. This is not a theoretical book, is it? Someone lived it and wrote it. And then you're invited to partake of the same experience. So come with me to John 4. And we're going to look at this passage because there is a lens that we are to live by if we are going to experience the fullness of life that is contained in us. There is a lens, a way. And there is also two other ways which are counterfeit ways. John 4 verses 7. I'm going to read this pretty quickly. We've done some stuff on this before. The woman at the well. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, you being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is, who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. How well do you know him tonight? If you knew him, what would you be asking for? That's what he's saying to this woman. If you knew 
who was right in front of you, you'd be asking me for something. But you don't. So you don't ask. See, this morning I was going to start a series on I will build my church. And the first part is I will build on the revelation of Christ himself in. And we're going to hit it next week. But it's the same thing happening right here. If you knew me, lady, if you knew the gift who was right in front of you, you'd ask me for this living water. So you keep coming to the well your whole life, feeding the natural. But you keep coming every day or every week because you need to have the natural. But if you knew the gift, you'd ask me for this supernatural life. Let's keep reading. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? We can respond like that at times. You can hear truth and go, where do you find that? That's not a reality. You don't even have a bucket. So you can, can you hear? Can you hear what the Spirit says? This lady can't. He's talking of a reality and she's completely outside of it. So she answers in the natural. You guys know how to discern whether it's going to rain or not, but you ain't got a clue about the spiritual times. That's what he said to the Pharisees. He's trying to talk to her in the spirit and all she's hearing is the natural. You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well, just a little bit, and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. Jesus answered and said to her, and listen to this, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. Everyone who drinks of the natural, you will always thirst for the natural. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. I'm going to read that again. But the water that I will give him will become in him In Him. In Him. In Him. David said, I want your truth, Lord, in the innermost parts of my being. A well of water springing up to eternal life. God is the God of the possible, yes? So the question is, he is the God of the possible. He said to me this morning, you know, Greg, you cannot know me. It's impossible to know me without me. It's absolutely impossible to know him without him being in that equation. We're going to get a little bit onto that. We try and we think we do. But we can't. It's impossible to know God without God in that equation. 
All we do is create a God in our own image, but we don't realise that's what we do. And he's saying to this woman, if you knew the gift, if you knew the person who was standing right in front of you, you'd ask me for something. And out of you would come a wellspring of water. See, there is a reality to be experienced in you and in me. That's his life. I know, and I say this, I know that can appear huge, but it's fully possible. And he's declaring it in his word. But there is a way in which it comes and if we are not entering into that way, it will never happen. There is a specific way that God leads you into this reality in you and it's called via spirit and truth. Not flesh and truth and not spirit and flesh, but spirit and truth. Just come with me to verse 21. Same thing, 4.21. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You, you worship what you do not know. And here's the challenge. Do you think it's possible to worship a God that you don't actually know? Do you think it's possible to be worshipping Jesus Christ but you don't actually know him? Know him in the way that he wants you to know him. You might know him the way you think you know him, but that might not be actually him. It's your version of him. Is that possible? It is. Do you worship something that you actually don't know, but you worship it, thinking you're worshipping it? We can do the same thing. But an hour is coming, and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshippers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. See, once again, she has no concept of who he is. Why? Because it hasn't been revealed in her yet. So she speaks from the natural. There's this guy coming. He's called the Messiah. Jesus says, yeah, it's me. And then look what she says to him in verse 29. Come, sorry, her people, come and see a man. No, no. I just told you who I am. I'm not a man. I just told you I'm the Messiah. See, she's not getting who he is. Yeah? There's no concept who Jesus is. No concept about truth. Why? Because she hasn't yet come into spirit and truth. There is a way in which to worship me. It's a narrow way. You're not in it yet. If you were, you'd be asking me for something and out of you would come rivers of living water. See, they are correlated together. A true worshipper worships in spirit and truth and the outcome of that is rivers of living water bubbling up. 
They go hand in hand. And so there's so much more for you and I to come into because I know we would ask the question tonight, how many of us have living, bubbling wells coming out of us? We'd probably all go, but it's fully possible to and that's what I want to bring to you because it's the Father's heart for the church to have living water, wells of life coming forth out of. And she says this, she says this, come and see a man who told me all things that I've done, this is not the Christ, is it? Well, I just told you I was. There is an authentic way, his way, for this process to happen. But there is also two counterfeit ways which the enemy would try and get you to run down. Who can tell me what these sunglasses are? Ray-Bans. Who can tell me what these sunglasses are? Who can tell me what these sunglasses are? For clowns. See, these are all Ray-Bans. Did you know that? But that is the only original Ray-Ban. But they are actually Ray-Bans. They are counterfeit versions of that. But they have Ray-Bans on them. I've sat on them More than once. I've dropped them and they have not broken. You can grab the little skinny arms and you can bend them and you can bend them back. But see, they look the same. And maybe you guys were quite good to the naked eye. If I was further away, you might go, I don't know, I can't actually tell the difference. But they all have the name Ray-Bans but this is the only authentic one. And there are two other positions that we have to be so careful of that we don't try and understand God through. So he says this, he says true worshippers, which means there's a possibility of false worshippers. False worshippers aren't necessarily, oh, you're false, you're really bad, you're just not worshipping me the way I would have you worship me. One of those counterfeit ways is flesh and truth. We try and understand God's truth through our carnal ways, our flesh. Are you tracking with me? You're never, ever, 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 ever going to understand the Father through the carnal mind of man. That's why he says the mind must be renewed by the Spirit. See, we don't get this reality is that we are so far from his realm. You and I start over this side of the fence and we haven't got an absolute foggiest clue who he is. We have to settle this, that what I'm saying.
You didn't have a clue and you still don't in this state. The only way you and I can know Him is if He actually reveals Himself to us by His Holy Spirit. It's the only way. But what we teach people is go and fill your head with this stuff and you'll know Him and by the way, you'll have the mind of Christ. If the Holy Spirit chooses to reveal what this is to you, you'll have the mind of Christ. The man that wrote it had the mind of Christ. That's why he wrote it. But you can't just take this book and read it and think you understand and have the mind of Christ because the mind of Christ is living, it's active. If you have, guess what? It will start changing you and guess what? You'll actually start having rivers of life coming forth from you. Cracks me up. People quote it all the time. i got the mind of Christ and out of their mouth comes the opposite to the mind of Christ. By their language you can tell you have not got the mind of Christ in this area because your very language and your very posture and what you are demonstrating demonstrates you don't have the mind of Christ. Does that make sense? It's clearly obvious when you have the mind of Christ because it will be demonstrated in you and through you. And we're on a journey. But so many people try and understand truth through the flesh. Guess what? The disciples did it all the time. Come with me to Matthew 16. So we're in good company, but we have to acknowledge it. Otherwise, guess what? You will live your whole life this way and rivers of living water won't become your reality. Where are the living waters? Where were they? In us. Do you want living waters coming in and out of you? Or just a trickle of life? Me and Jess were talking before. Freedom. How much freedom do you want? It's untapped. It's unlimited. God says, if you enter into more of me, you get more of me. Seek me with all of your heart and you will find all of me. All, not in half, not a quarter, not an eighth, not a sixteen. You can't have kids and your wife all stacked up in there in your heart and go, guess what? Oh, well, I'll give you an eighth today. Well, guess what? You get to the measure you use, you get it back. So you get an eighth of God. Give me all of your heart and guess what? You'll get all of me in you. Man, I'm buzzing. This is a reality. I never thought this was possible and it is because it's becoming more of my, my reality. And it's for every son and daughter. Not special people, not people that have a gift of X, Y and Z. Every single one of us. But our mind, our unrenewed mind gets in the way. Our flesh tries to understand God and we go, oh, okay, yeah, that's it, that's it. What happens when your flesh tries to understand God? You look like Paul. He is an ultimate expression of what someone trying to understand truth in the flesh looks like. You want to be like Paul before he got baptized? Oh, how? In the Holy Spirit? In him? He was fully on this side of the fence trying to understand that kingdom. Thought he was in it. He didn't have a clue. Yet he built himself as if he knew all things. He didn't have a clue, the foggiest clue who God was until God said this 
in Galatians, or Paul says this in Galatians 1, he says, until God chose to reveal himself in me. That's the day that life altered radically. When the wellspring of life started to bubble up and over. And he wrote about it. But let's have a look at Peter. Look at this. Jesus foretells his death. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples. So this is so Matthew, Matthew 16, 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Here's good old Peter. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it. Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. It's fascinating. When Jesus is trying to go to his death, man rebukes. Man goes, no. Every time God says it's time to die, what happens to us? Go the opposite way. Why? Because that's the flesh. The flesh wants to live. But the Bible says the cross is the power of God to those who are what? Being saved. See, the, the cross comes. It comes. It's a living a life of utter. The whole life is to be a life of repentance. Because the cross comes to kill the flesh. And right here, Jesus is saying, guys, I'm going to die. And Peter's going, no, that doesn't fit in with my plans. That completely doesn't fit in with my reality. The way I think, you are not going. In fact, I'm going to now rebuke you and tell you not to go. Give him one thing. That is pretty ballsy, isn't it? To rebuke God is pretty ballsy. That's why I reckon God loved him. He saw that ballsiness and said, man, that submitted to me, that'll be unbelievable. That defined by the Spirit will be unbelievable. And guess what? You know what, Peter? When I come on the day of Pentecost and my Spirit and you're aligned to that and you're there repenting, you wait, bang, you're going to see a different person. This is what my whole series is about, going to be about looking through the life of the disciples. Man, do we need the power of the Holy Spirit to live this life? Guess what? Otherwise, your stinking thinking directs your life, my stinking thinking directs my life, and I never come into the reality God has put in his word, put in his spirit for me to enter into here first and through me. Man, do we need the Holy Spirit. And the church has kicked them out thinking we've all got it anyway, but you know what? The reflection, what we're demonstrating, does not look like it to me. Because when I read this, I see a different people after the baptism. So here we see Peter trying to understand what Jesus is saying through the flesh. It's not Satan that's there. He's saying the way you think is of the kingdom of darkness. So get behind me. Your stinking thinking is getting in the way. Stinking thinking will not lead you into the fullness of the kingdom. You have to think like him. You have to have the proper Ray-Bans on. Tom Cruise. I watched that movie about 15 times in the 80s. Top Gun. You've got to have your Ray-Bans on. Spirit and truth if you want to enter into the fullness, not flesh and truth. Greg, what is spirit and flesh? Because this is the other one. Notice how flesh and truth, there's truth, 
spirit and flesh, there's the spirit. You hear what I'm saying? So we're to be in spirit and truth. So within within both of the counterfeit, you see truth or the spirit in there. So what is spirit and truth? That's someone who has the spirit in them, but you know what? They're led by their emotions and their feelings most of their life. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. I think this and I think that. Well, that's great. But what does the Word of God say? The revealed living Word of God. Because we're not called to live on our feelings. So many people are feelings driven. We're in a world that's feelings driven. I feel, I feel. Anyone heard this? My God wouldn't do that. He just might. Where is your understanding coming from? A renewed mindset place? Romans 12.2 Or the mindset you've always had which is carnal to him? People that, you know, they, they seem to be here one day and gone the next. They float around. Because there's actually no substance of truth really within them that's living. And so a good tide away comes and whoosh, off we go. When persecution comes or hard stuff comes, there's nothing in them that stands up and pushes back. I read a Bible that says on the revelation of Christ, this church pushed back the gates of Hades. They push it back. They're not overcome by it, they push it back. Why? Because what's in them is greater than what's coming at them. See, there is a reality, guys, that we are to come into It'll cost you everything. It'll mean seeking with all your heart, asking, asking and asking. We sing these beautiful songs, this is my desire, well, is it really? And if it is, God will see that desire and His promise will match that and there will be an interaction that will happen. I'm reading Scripture going, man, you're inviting me to sit on a throne with you? Yes, Greg. You say, where I go, you will go? Yes, Greg. That there is a name that could be put on my forehead that no one else will know? Yes, Greg. Deny yourself, pick up your cross and come follow me wholeheartedly. And guess what? Those who are wholehearted receive wholehearted reward. Wholehearted reward in him is having living water here coming up out of. I believe it's fully, fully possible to have nothing on this earth touch you. Where everything that you face, every challenge you come up against, the God in you is so great that you speak to it. Every offence. How many people have been offended here? <laughs> how many people have been offended? Come on, how many people have been offended by one another? We all have. Every one of us have been offended. And you know why the church is so divided? Because there's something not big in, in us big enough to overcome the offence. That offence gets in us because it says somewhere in there, I think it's Timothy, it says you better have grace so you're not defiled by the, the offence. I should find it. It's amazing scripture. It basically says that I hope that you have an abundance of grace so no root of bitterness comes up and defiles many. See, when God is in you to this measure and there's living, riven water, 
rivers of living water coming forth, it overcomes and it dominates what's coming at you. Even if you lost someone close to you, do you believe it's possible to have a living reality that, sure, that hurts, sure, that's going to, you know, I miss you, but I'm not completely knocked over by it because of the system, the spirit and truth reality that has birthed within me, it stands up. Paul talked about demonstrating. The manifold wisdom of God would come through the church and the heavenly realm would notice something. What is that? The demonstration of God's wisdom on the earth. Because God's people are people of spirit and truth. So you notice it doesn't even say truth and spirit, but spirit and truth. Who's the spirit? But who is the spirit? God. Who's truth? God. So really it's actually one position, isn't it? Where's God, where's God right now? In us. And he's also sitting up there on his throne. On the revelation of God in the church, I will build my people. Spirit and truth are the people that the Father seeks. They are true worshippers. And as we worship in spirit, we've got to understand what that even means. It's a spiritual dimension that we're called to live in. It's nothing of the physical, once again. I can't enter into that through the physical. Nothing in me knows how to understand that reality. The Holy Spirit must lead me into it. But what we do is we learn in the physical and we think, oh, this is we just apply all this intellect here and try and understand God here. And that's called flesh and, uh, flesh and truth. So it's spirit and truth. The truth is living. And that living reality in me will start to cause more and more of these living waters. But he says to this lady, you don't know what stands in front of you. If you did, you'd ask. And if you ask of me, this will happen. So I want to challenge you tonight with this opportunity to ask him for this reality that you read about. Ask him. Say, God, don't ask him if you don't want to ask him, but if you're feeling led to ask him, ask him. If you really want everything that he has for you as his son or daughter, then ask. Ask with the right motive. Ask with faith. But ask. And let him astound you with the transformation that he wants to do in you and through you. I'm asking this every day. I can't believe what he's unpacking in here. Guys, it's, it's literally like eating something that fills you with so much joy and life. You can't contain it. People tell you to shut up because it's like you just bubble over. And there's wisdom in that of knowing when to shut up. But I seek 
spirit and truth worshippers. That's one posture. Father, tonight, I thank you, Lord, that there is this untapped reality to be discovered in us through you. I thank you, Lord, that there is a power that the Holy Spirit that's found in the Spirit of God that can be living in us because the Spirit lives in us. It's tangible, it's real, and we can feel it. God, I pray that our reality would be the reality that you want us to live in. That, Lord, that we wouldn't have thinking that says it's for other people or limited thinking. Even our self-talk would not talk us out of the reality that you have for us. There are so many voices that compete in our mind for the true voice. And you really have a reality, Lord, that would blow everyone out of the water. Us all included, your whole church. And God, I pray that this dimension, it's right beside us, that we would seek with all our heart and you would reveal it in us like you did to Paul. To the measure that you'd have us experience it. I ask this by faith tonight. Lord, give us living testimony of this reality. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Now John 7, 37-39 says, If any man, meaning person, is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. That he who believes in me as the Scriptures say, see, as the Scriptures say, from their innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. If any man, anyone, any colour, any ethnicity, any culture, any age, would come to me and drink. I am the water. Drink of me. If any man would come to me and add, the Scripture says, we would believe as the Scriptures, what's written down is to be a reality. Faith to what's written down. there would be an interaction, there'd be a transition. And from that person's innermost being would flow his life. I thank you that it's fully possible for us today. And I thank you, Lord, that you have declared it again tonight. It's out there into the atmosphere. It's out there and I pray that we would receive it by faith and that it would perform, that word would perform its work in us. I pray, Lord, that 
as someone else may water it, that the Holy Spirit, you would cause it to grow. I pray right now, Father, that that seed would start to grow. We would feel the stem of that seed starting to burst forth in us. We would feel its root system going down into us. And that it would be like a pillar and become a pillar of strength and substance in us. And Lord, you would use whatever you see fit to grow it. Whether it's trials or sufferings or just fresh manner, relationships, however you see fit, that we would submit to that process to see it grow and become in us a wellspring of water that would refresh not only us, but others. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.